You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Overcoats. Oh man, it brings me so much joy again to welcome back Hannah and JJ to the podcast. We've known each other for a few years now, and it's always a beautiful thing when your friends also make art that you fiercely believe in. And that's grown massively with the new songs they've released in 2019, especially their comeback single, The Fool. That tune has heralded a new era for Overcoats, one that's about being assertive, open, and firmly unapologetic. This marks their second time on the podcast, and I'm not going to lie, I do have a bit of a bias, not just from being friends with them, but also that I, I do strongly believe it's important when um, female creators are able to be just that unapologetic with their skills, with their views, with their work, and yeah we get into that within this talk and it's a really special thing um we delve into this new era the surprising joy that could come from (laughs) shaving your head and why their next wave of releases will truly surprise people this is the 405 exchange with overcoats enjoy It's been a while since we've had a proper chat. I saw you guys, I caught up with you guys really briefly a few weeks back when you opened up with, for Tudor Cinema Club. And I remember looking at you and thinking, holy fuck, Overcoats is a punk band now. <laughs> that was like the overarching vibe. Like, that must be, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's been having that reaction when they get the chance to talk to you now. How, how do you like that? Or do you like that? It's really interesting because it's hard to be aware of like what you look like when you're on stage like I have no idea it's funny that we seem like a punk band now like I'm curious what we seemed like before um because I just I feel like we write the music and then we just kind of perform it in like the only way we know how to and I just have no idea how it looks or comes off to anyone and it, it honestly is like probably I think it's a good thing that we don't think about that because then you start to make decisions based on what other people think, which is not good. But yeah, yeah I, I guess I guess we are a punk band now. I think it's a combination of things that have led to this synthesis because the music is definitely more punk. Yeah. It's more aggressive. There are like five guitars on every song. There are... I play bass now, which is new and exciting. And, and punk. And punk. And we also both shaved our heads, which is the most punk thing <laughs> you can do. Arguably so I get else. why. <laughs> I, get why <laughs> I guess I see your <laughs> Well, it's interesting you brought up the aspect of like not being able to like know what you're like on stage. Because I've been really fortunate and privileged having seen you guys play live loads over the years. And it's funny. I, I think it would be a little... In just like there's like words I would use to describe what it was like before, but it'd be largely indescribable. But I guess when I saw you guys uh, with Tudor, it was like overcoats with teeth or something, or like overcoats mm-hmm. who will like fucking like step on you if you get in their way, like with a leather boot. That's like, nice. That's nice. See, I love that you like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> a good thing. 
So take me back to the end of touring that you did for Young. Uh, where did you find yourselves creatively speaking? Because it's funny, I don't think we've ever had like a real chat about that. Like, you know, re- like we talked about releasing a debut album before, but not coming off of that. Like, what was that like for right. you guys? Um, it was good. I think because we toured our first record for so long, we by the time we were done, we were raring to go on number two, and so we already had like a few of the songs written and and ready for action and um we basically just began searching for the right team to make the album with as soon as we were done touring and that process took a long time um because we wanted kind of a a sonic and also like emotional departure or evolution from the first record um so finding the right team of people to make that happen and um, who people who we felt could kind of meld the genres that we wanted to meld. And so right after finishing tour, we took a bunch of trips around to different spots in LA and Nashville to meet producers and um, kind of gauge who was out there and who was interested in working with us and and that I think was like the bulk of the kind of six months after we finished touring. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we also spent that time writing a lot. Um, we did some writing sessions with other people which was new. Um, we did our normal writing together in the bedroom vibe as well. Um, but yeah, I think in summary we were raring to go on the next one because we had to tour the first one for like almost two years yeah and I think the act of touring the first one started to form a new musical aesthetic for the second one I think while we were playing live every night we started to crave more live instrumentation um and we were also listening to like um a lot of old favorites while touring, like Arcade Fire and um, Kings of Leon and just kind of like anthemic rock bands. Um, And so we started to kind of think about how that sort of music could combine with our original aesthetic um, and how to kind of make them blend together in a nice way. It's really wild to me hearing you guys kind of like approach it in a sense of being so proactive and opening it up and like allowing other people to come in. I think a couple of years ago I talked to Laura Marley about something similar and she says something on the lines of like it's it sounds amazing but it could feel like speed dating and that it could be annoying meeting like producer to producer, team to team. Was it like that for you guys or was it actually kind of exhilarating like getting to meet like creative people like that who would like actually be able to interpret your project through that lens? If you're into speed dating, I imagine that speed dating would be quite exhilarating. (laughs) I think it's a bit of both. I think that's a really accurate way of describing it, the speed dating. (laughs) And some of them, like, are awesome and some of them tank. Yeah. Um, Like, it was really fun because we had never done it before. And Um, we were meeting really iconic producers who we've, you know, wanted to get in the room with for a long time and our first album like opened that up to us as a possibility but then as Hannah said it like it could go 
it was really hit or miss with these people and sometimes we really clicked and other times we were like get me out of here (laughs) as soon as possible i think it was interesting because it wasn't just like seeing um what these people wanted to do to our music It, it actually became more about figuring out what we wanted to do with our music and people would give a suggestion and we'd be like oh, that's really cool, or no way. And, like, through, like, pushing it up against other people, we started to really get a lot clearer about what sort of album we wanted to make, and it was only right that the final producer we met was the the, um, person that ended up doing the record. And, yeah, I think by that point, we just really knew what we wanted, and we were able to recognize it immediately when we saw it. Yeah. I actually, I have questions that are uh, particular about the music, but before I jump into that, can you share who the producer is? Definitely. It's um, two people, Justin Raisin and Eve Rothman. Oh, nice one. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Like I said, you've released new songs throughout the year, and we're going to delve into all of them because we have the time to do that. Uh, Before we do, I'd love you to tell me about the eventual project this is all leading towards, like the album itself, because, you know... I feel like what's interesting with how music comes out now is that it you can kind of get a gauge of what a project's going to be like, but then when it actually comes out, it takes like almost a bit of a left turn, and there's always like a lot of hills and valleys. I feel like that's what it's going to be like for you guys. Like I feel like even though these songs are so different sonically, there's going to be even more surprises in the album. Is that kind of like what you're hoping for? Yeah, I think so. We haven't yet announced an album, um, but hot tip, we will be. At some point. Someday. 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 Um, (laughs) But yeah, I guess we can pretty much say that the next body of work that we're going to be putting out is um, cohesive in a sense, both kind of lyrically and conceptually, and also sonically that there's a lot more like rock elements happening, Um, but that also it is you do I feel like we have kind of branched out and our next project gives a taste of like a few different things that we've been working on there are some slow slow jam banger anthem (laughs) electronic (laughs) rock reggae reggae Reggae. no not reggae (laughs) yet um but yeah I think it's it's to dodge your question it's a bit of both it's yeah. cohesive, but it's also a little bit disparate. Yeah, it's not limiting. Um, when you look back on the conversations that you would have before you would like record songs, were you because intri- something I'm always amazed by is like when you get to start a project and it's with a friend. It's not like just an ad on like a board or a magazine of like trying to find musicians to work with. It's like, oh, this is with my friend, that, my family that I'm making music with. I feel like naturally your conversations evolve from there. Like. Were you surprised how different the conversations were now with how you approach working on this new body of work? Um, I mean, I think we had a lot more confidence this time around um, in like knowing what we wanted and knowing that it was going to be good. I think the first time we we felt really unsure about what we were bringing to the table and whether we could do it all and it would be good enough and that was the energy behind 
collaborating with others rather than collaborating because you want to make something cool. It was more like, well, do I have enough? Um, and I think for this album, it was a lot more like, yeah, I have enough, but um, let's see how my idea mixes with this person's idea. Um, and we especially had that on... So for, the, for our first album, we played everything. Like, we didn't have... We had, like, maybe one or two players come in um, and do a part on, like, two songs. But for the most part, it was all electronic and or played by us. And for this album, we brought in tons and tons of musicians. Um, and so, like, bringing in a cello player, for example, like, you're not really going to tell the oh. cello player what to play because, like... You don't know. You don't play cello. Yeah, exactly. But you're kind of like, can it be a little bit like this and then go up and then go down? Like, it's just kind of a funny thing. So I think getting into these bigger and fuller arrangements, we had to open up to more other yeah, people other than the two of us. Yeah. That's so amazing because, like, I feel like that's what the really great um, journey you get to have when it comes to making, like, a second album is that you're kind of reminded that there's still so much different like routes you can explore so many things you could like try yeah and also i think i mean i don't know from other experiences but from our own experience it felt like our first record really had to stay insular and be so much just about the two of us because it was our first offering to the world as overcoats and and it had to be so so intentional and from our own hands um that that oh and i think that that's the case with a lot of people's debut projects is that they really you're really protective over it and you want it as the first kind of iteration of who you are to to like express that fully um and i think that a lot of bands have the same trajectory that you're describing where by the second record they are open to experimenting and feel a little bit safer doing so yeah um and that was definitely the case for us yeah that's massive um let's talk about the fool that was the first new song we heard from you guys in like almost like a year now like like the first new song in over a year which is kind of wild um i mean anyone who hears this this is a clear step forward and what I love so much about it, going back to like the whole punk thing I brought up, is like this song has so much attitude. Like that's like the asterisk to the song. I feel like, and I think you re- the attitude evolutes uh, everything, both um, musically and lyrically. Uh, what's the story behind this one? Because I would really love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, we wrote this song in the midst of like this long period in LA where we were supposed to be writing our album. She's doing air quotes. I'm doing air quotes. Doing air quotes. Um, and like air quotes, choosing a producer. <laughs> and we were just like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> this weird world of like speed dating and of trying to decide the direction of our next album. It just felt like huge decisions. And we were in a city we didn't live in and it was just like a very crazy time um and we kind of wrote the song in that um in that time period and and we're and the song was sort of about like where do I turn um what do I do like where do I find comfort and home um and it's sort of about 
the uncertainty of the journey being the certainty um, and just knowing that you're on a path and that's what's going to get you through. Well put, yeah. <laughs> Mike, I was going to say, it's hard to follow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it would be impossible to talk about the song without bringing up the video. Uh, for love that. Yes, <laughs> don't you love that? For people listening who aren't familiar and haven't seen the video, um, I mean, to put it bluntly, you guys are shaving each other's heads yeah. in the video. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, that's a very, like, minute explanation, but can you, like, go a little bit deeper and describe, like, kind of, like, what happens in the video and just the thinking behind it? Essentially, like, tell me about that, because it was really amazing to watch that after not having seen you guys for so long. <laughs> yes. Um, we sort of used the video as, like, our coming out of hibernation moment. Um, as you mentioned, it had been almost a year since we put out, um, a song. And so, um, we wanted to kind of wipe the slate clean. Um, and we thought, what better way than to shave each other's heads on camera. <laughs> um, but there's kind of been a, there's been a history of women in art cutting or sh cutting their hair or shaving their heads, and we wanted to kind of tap into that power um, and the sort of canon of women who have done that. Um, uh, Joan of Arc, Frida Kahlo, Sinead O'Connor is an obvious one. Yeah. Grace um, Jones. Grace Jones. And um, committing to altering one's appearance in kind of a genderless way or, or creating a sort of androgynous look felt very accurate to the new project and like a statement that we wanted to make and kind of dive into together. Um, and so that's why we shaved each other's heads rather than just our own. Um, and, and it was very, it was a very trusting process for us. We had to, we had one take. As you Can't would. go back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and six cameras and we just went for it. Um, yeah. and I think that it felt like the right move to accompany this song because the song is sort of about like screaming until you figure things out um and so it it was kind of a like punk coming of age moment for us yeah um terrifying but also really fun and hair grows back so that's a good point i'm not gonna lie though <laughs> when i saw it I remember immediately thinking to myself, like, God, I so wonder what the group message, tech message must have been the weeks leading up to this between you two. Or it's kind of like, and like maybe everyone on your team were just kind of like, are you sure? Yeah. We're going to do this? Our we're whole work? team was definitely like, are you sure? And we were like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're sure. <laughs> uh, when I watched it for the first time, I watched it with my girlfriend. It was like on an evening just like this. And um, I remember, and she's seen you guys live before. She really loves your music. And... It was a really beautiful moment where we were watching the video and like maybe a minute in she goes fuck yeah and i was like oh like cool like why do you feel that way she's like i don't know there's just something badass about that like from a woman to woman perspective like she very much felt like she it evoked a reaction or that she, even she didn't understand and i imagine yeah. that's something that's been 
like other people have probably echoed that coming up to you talking about it. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a powerful thing to cut off your hair. Like, um, we did a oh, I forget you were there, right? Were you at yeah. the release party? Yeah. Um Oh yeah, can, this, you, yeah. can you go into what it was actually? Yeah, we did this release party for the fool at a barber shop. Um and we were at the barber chair shaving people's heads. Um, and it was really cool because obviously it was like a crazy like thing for JJ and I to do together, but then to be <laughs> the ones shaving other people's heads and talking to them about their reasons for doing it and if they were nervous and what they wanted to look like, just the whole thing. It was, it was a really powerful experience to also be bringing other people into that. And it felt really cool kind of like, just like a movement, um, and obviously JJ said there's there's a long history of people doing this, and it felt really cool to um, sort of canonize ourselves into that canon um, and shave other people's heads and just see what they were going through and relate to them. It was really cool. It was absurdly impressive how many people you fit into that barbershop, by the way. Fire and how many yeah. heads we shaved? Yeah. Yeah. How many did you shave? Cause like I, I should it was add eleven. Was it eleven? I think I I don't know if we shaved eleven, but eleven people's heads were shaved. <laughs> Shaveth. Shaveth. If you want to know something doubly funny, is that I got invited to it and I just thought I thought maybe it was gonna be like a release show or some like secret type of thing, and I had no point of context on what it was gonna be. So I yeah. went and I was just like, oh whoa, people are getting their head shaved. Yeah, yeah. We I kept think it like that. On every purpose. nobody knew what they were walking into, and yeah. I think some people were really shocked. Yeah. yeah, people were texting us like our own friends, just being like so excited for the concert, and I was like, you have no. Idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next tune you released, uh, "Keep the Faith," again feels very different. Um, it sounds like there's flecks of the fool in it, but it largely sounds a lot more tender, really. Um. Especially on the vocal. Did um, Keep the Faith feel like a different kind of song for you while you were making it? I think it always felt special because it was like our favorite and also the runt of the songs that we have been making. Like we had to really fight for this one to get made. Um, oh, yeah. And so we, we always like um, felt very special about it and wanted it to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like the only kind of straightforward love song that we've ever written um, and it felt different in that way as well like it still has anger and attitude and rock and roll but we wanted it to um, to not be clouded by um, by any distortion or anything at least our voices and have it be like a very um, raw and honest recording. Yeah. Might, I feel like a song like that, it must have felt really surprising when you got to like listen to the final mix of it together. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was surprising. That, that song is one where we had a, a very, what we thought was very fleshed out demo of the <laughs> song that we had yeah. made ourselves with guitars and there was bass and there was this like piano part and we could hear what we wanted it to sound like and we were like oh my god this is huge like this could be such a big like rock song for us it's like amazing sent it to our team they were like don't know about this one <laughs> literally we were like oh my heart 
like you write one love song and no one wants it it's utter rejection um but then with with the producers um they really like elevated the production and and helped us realize the dream of what we thought it sounded like and yeah and, and it was my, funny we were all like like working together like like a little evil plan to like get everyone to like to it. love it yeah <laughs> and then we send we sent the final version to our team and they were like oh shit this like, will be a single yeah like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's um, fucking amazing but yeah it's, it's it has a really special place for us just um as Hannah said, as the runt, you always root for songs like that when yeah. nobody else is. Yeah. And I think, as you said, with the hills and valleys of the hypothetical next project. Yes. Um, I think because The Fool and Leave If You Wanna are, like, such Bangers. upbeat, kind of angry, electronic songs, we wanted to show that the upcoming collection of songs has... Um, more complexity um and that even songs that are very different from all three that have been released and um just show that it's it's going to be a a diverse group of of songs yeah well i'm really glad you also used the word banger because the next tune is what i like to call example of a sad banger Mm. is that a cool term we could use yes i can use that for sure yeah (laughs) and that song is leave if you wanna um I feel like what's incredible about all three of these songs, this is a prime example of it, is it really forces people to recontextualize how they even view your band, which I think is cool. And I think what's been interesting with learning these songs, even though I've known of you guys for ages and I've known you and I've known the music for a long time, I feel like I've seen something interesting where like people who are both familiar with Overcoats previously and are just coming in the first time, it's like together our context and view of the bands being shifted kind of simultaneously which is a really rare thing and i feel leave if you want is a good example of like kind of heralding that um it kind of feels like in regards to the writing there were like no doors closed like nothing was off limits and yeah i just would love to hear how you guys wrote it together yeah um we describe leave if you wanna as the the things you say during a fight um and kind of a little bit about what can be dangerous about having a lot of like righteousness or just like wanting to win like a battle against someone and um that song and keep the faith sort of feel like two sides of the same coin to us where one offers this very like tender, um, kind of resigned look at a fight or or a relationship, um, and leave if you want is like you're yelling, <laughs> like you're pretty much yelling. Um, leave that, if you want also was really autobiographical, and we wrote it in twenty minutes. Like we yeah. were just like. Can I say that? Yeah, it's I fucking hate when like blah 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 does this, blah blah. Yeah, me too. And we were we were just like we had a guitar and we were like sitting outside and we just wrote it in twenty minutes, like start to finish about like fights that each of us had had. Um, And yeah, it came out. um, It was like word vomit, really. Yeah. Um, And I think. There are, there's one line in 
Leave If You Wanna, which is the last line of the bridge, which is, um, this is how you lose me and how you win a fight. And I think that line really became sort of like a thesis um, of the album. What um, album? I'm sorry. You might the, have to take that out. The project. The wait, project. You should beep out. Yeah, album. beep it. Beep it out. Um, of the... Yeah. But yeah, this song is kind of like a microcosm to like all of the themes that we've been writing about. And so it was a natural choice um, to come out early. Um, but... Yeah, this one was really fun to write, and it it definitely felt like um, no rules, and we just, like, allowed ourselves to say things at weird times and, like, scream and just sort of open... It opened up a a different way of singing. I would say that the verses of this song are, like, my favorite thing to sing live. Yeah, they're really fun. Which I'm not sure why yet, but I think it's the moves. It might be the dance moves, but I think it's like something about yelling semi incoherent sentences feels really (laughs) amazing. Rhythm, yeah, (laughs) feels amazing. Yeah, do that more often. Were you guys ever into that show Boy Meets World by any chance? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this song, like the way you're describing it, kind of reminds me of an episode. This is so random, but there was an episode where the main character Corey. His brother Eric, that was his name? Yeah. Eric, yeah. Eric was dating a girl. It went bad, and then she became like a pretty much like a a, a, a like a, just a top forty like star from writing a song about how she hated Eric, <laughs> and it, the song was everywhere. And he was just like, "What did I do?" <laughs> That's hilarious. I like that reference for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So exactly. Um, I want to go back to the fool because. It's clear that the song is a game changer for the two of you, um, especially in how people have been using the word punk to describe, you know, overcoats now, especially at the way I started the talk, um, you know, talk about like the attitude and everything. How does it feel? I mean, you talked about it a little bit before, but like when you see that word come up and like people coming up to you or even people like tweeting at you and stuff like that, is there an element of surprise, even though there's like this very pointed sense of attitude that's intentional? Like... Are you kind of like, how does it feel, essentially? It feels like a bit of a surprise since it's just like the first time we've gotten it, but also not a surprise. I think like a lot of things happened in the past year or two that we were really angry about um, from like Trump being elected um, to other difficult things that we were facing in our careers to um, relationships to um, deaths um, just like really it just shit just really hit the fan Um, and the only it felt natural to just be angry and to kind of like allow ourselves to revel in that and to have a bit of fun with it Um, and so I think it's surprising in the sense that it's a new word for us, but it's not surprising when I think about um, the experiences we've had over the past year or two, because I think um, it just, it really made sense to 
to make music like this mm-hmm. uh, based on the world and our experiences in it the past couple years. And I feel like our music has always been like first and foremost for us to like heal from things. And so our first record was that it was the outpouring of our friendship for the like previous five years and kind of everything that we had been going through then towards the end of college with relationships with our parents with figuring out like how to be women in the political and social climate that we were entering into in New York and this album is exactly what Hannah was describing and so it's just like it feels so natural that it sounds the way it does because it's like always just about what we're experiencing collectively or individually and how we want to use the songs to to heal from those experiences or to like move forward and so of course we're yelling and screaming because a lot of shit went down yeah I think that's really so true like I think that's what that's what Overcoats is about like Mm -hmm. us transforming and like going through things together Mm -hmm. and like writing about them in whichever way makes the most sense to us at the time and and I think I don't I I like we just are chameleons and we just are always changing and we like to evolve and think conceptually and I I imagine like all of our albums will be this way like our our one after this could be a country album and then after that it could be like yeah. a top 40 album and after that it's back to rock and yeah. like I think yeah we just re- we just really like to follow what we're collectively feeling and um I also feel like they're not that different though yeah like when we're describing this like huge departure it's like we still sing everything in harmony yeah it's still the two of us like there's what's changing is like I think the palette and like the bed of like the sonic bed that we're providing for our voices so it's not like you won't recognize our third album as overcoats yeah (laughs) it'll always be like our voices in harmony and stuff it's true that that doesn't change yeah you know it's wild i can't recall the interview that i heard it in and i feel so bad that i can't remember like an interview an old one i saw joe stormer uh from man the clash for people might be familiar uh, one of my heroes and he says something that's so poignant and it, I feel it's still it, it resonates so much with today that like when you get relation when you have relationships with women not like romantic but like friendships and like family members like sisters and cousins he says the only sensible thing you can learn is that the existence of being a woman is the most punk rock thing ever like that's dealing good. with everything women have to deal with like, I like that that's awesome yeah. Hey, put on a t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of women walking around not even knowing they're punk rock. <laughs> that's the wild part, exactly. <laughs> Spread the word. <laughs> you gotta let them know. Yeah. <laughs> I have to let you run here, but before I do, um, I always like ending talks with you guys where you get a chance to kind of talk to each other, or at least share something with each other that you haven't shared with before. And before we end this talk, I kind of want to go into the fact that just naturally of like doing a project like this you're always learning about each other so and new things so i'm curious what do you feel like you've learned about each other for making these new songs not only as artists but as people as well 
I remember this from the last time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember what I said. But. Yeah, I don't remember what I said. It was a little different. A little different question, slightly. Were, was the question like, "What do you admire in each other?" Something like that. I yeah, think, yeah, I, I can remember. And we were sitting in a cafe in like Dumbo, right? Yes. Yeah. I do remember that. Um, wait. So something I've learned about him. Hannah for making these new songs. For making so. these new songs. Uh, um, you'll have to be <laughs> <laughs> like long amount of silence. <laughs> 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 silence is fun to be while I think of one thing. <laughs> same, same, same. <laughs> um, okay, well, this is, I don't know if this is definitely my one thing, but I'll say that Hannah can actually shred on guitar, which I feel like is very impressive and <laughs> this album brought it out of her because it was necessary and then all of a sudden she's like soloing and i was like where did this come from it's been inside her the whole time that's nice yeah. i think i have mine oh yeah i think that um i think that you have like a really strong sense of what something can be mm. and like sense of n- not really sense of possibility more, but more of like a um like a confidence mm. in possibility um that I think I sometimes struggle having mm. and like in the middle of a song I start to get freaked out cuz like it's not sounding right or something's mm. wrong and um I don't know how it's gonna sound when it's done, um, and I think I think JJ has like a really strong sense of like um, co- confidence and and like like an aesthetic sort of plan for things, um, and I I think it was really cool to. Um, to like see that while making the album um, and like learn from that and feel supported by that because when I didn't know what to do I felt like JJ really knew what to do and that was a really cool um, thing to experience. Oh, That's nice. Jesus guys, that's really fucking nice. Oh, <laughs> look at that. That's sweet. Thank oh. you. Guys, thanks so much for touching <laughs> over me. Put it right it's, here. It's, <laughs> This will be like one of the last episodes that come out uh, during the year. Is there anything you would like to like share with people? Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be coming out the week before Thanksgiving. So it's uh, just coming to get the And happy holidays. Happy New Year. <laughs> um, that's me. <laughs> I'd say uh Wishing everyone <laughs> a restful uh, holiday season. Restful holiday season, and look out for overcoats in the new year. Twenty twenty vision. Twenty twenty vision.